our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Hello, today's Thursday, which means we're bringing you Girls That Business, a weekly series where we spill the tea on how to create a seven-figure side hustle because no one saves their way to wealth. You're joined today by Sim, a seven-figure business owner, and with me is Maya, an entrepreneur in the making. Hello, Maya. Kia ora, Sim. How are we this morning? We are good. How are you, Miss Forbes 30 under 30? You know what? Not bad. Life's good. I like... Guys, we recorded this episode when my Forbes 30 and 30 came out and I was yep. so excited. And then our editor was like, hey, girlies, the audio quality was crap because we started like a new, we tried to test out something yeah. new. We tried to record in person. So we we're going to record this episode entirely again, but that's fine because it was like four weeks ago. So Yeah, it's okay. And I want to talk about the Forbes 30 under 30 sim because it's amazing and just acknowledge the impact that Girls That Invest has for people and the beautiful wonderful community that you have created it's truly truly amazing and I just want you to know how insanely proud I am of you and how awesome it is to be a part of the community. Oh my, stop. That's that's very sweet. I think it, yeah, it was really cool to get. I was like very happy. It's one of those things that I kind of view it like when you get a degree, like no matter what happens, you'll always have the degree. Like no matter what happens in life, it will always kind of be there. And it's, I think awards are kind of like that, like all recognitions like this are kind of like that. Like you'll always be able to say like once in my life, I don't know what's going to happen after this, but like once in my life I did something. (laughs) You know, like back in... Yeah, I I think you're good with your book sitting behind you and like this multi-media company, seven-figure company that you've created. I think think you'll be fine. And if anything, if the whole thing collapses them, you can be an optometrist. (laughs) That is very true. Remember? Just remember, I can always go back to optometry. Yeah. I'll be okay. You'll be fine. So this week we're talking about how to get your first 1,000 customers, the strategies that GTI has used, what you might want to consider if you're looking to, if you haven't had your first customer or you haven't even started your business and you want to be like, you want to know what steps we have taken or what we've done to make that easier. Because at the end of the day, as much as we love content creation and we love you know doing all the free fun activities that we do, we also need to pay our bills. Yes, And sometimes for a company like ours, that either looks like offering products or it looks like 
sponsors that we get. And so it's, you know, how do you get those first thousand checks? Yeah. And Sim, how did you get your first thousand paying customers? Well, for Girls That Invest, it was a different story compared to when I started The Indian Feminist, which Mm -hmm. was my first media company, and we would make money from that with merchandise. Mm -hmm. So it was how did we get our first thousand people to buy, like, phone cases cases or stickers or tote bags. And I think what really helped was not having that pressure of thinking I need to get my first thousand. Like it wasn't a goal or it wasn't a KPI. I think Mm. it was really important for me to be like gentle with myself. And I think because I treated it as it'd be nice if it happened, but if it doesn't, like it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. I think that gave me less pressure. Right. And so to start off with, it wasn't like I need to achieve this by like the end of the month or it wasn't like I need to achieve this by six months. I think that would have really made it harder for me. Mm -hmm. And the first thousand kind of came from very, like it took ages. I think it took like six, oh, maybe like a year to get our first thousand paying customers for that brand. Mm -hmm. And it just started with building an online community. And if you've listened to our previous episodes on the Girls That Business series, we speak a lot about how to do that first. Yes. But I think that made it easier. Like the more people we had, the more eyeballs it was in front of, and that made it easier to then showcase what we had to offer. And it's almost like a numbers game. Like if you have 10,000 people that look at it, maybe five of them will buy. Okay. So first build a community and you've said that time and time again. Sorry, I'm such a broken record now. I, I mean, it's really good, especially when you reiterate it in different scenarios, because it does come back to community and to that engagement that you have with people in your community. Do you have a number of followers or engagement or time where you think a thousand paying customers would come into play? Like, do you think... 20,000 followers would be able to get you over that thousand paying customer line. So the way I look at it is with online shopping, let's say you have like a physical product, Mm -hmm. you would work out the conversion rate for online shopping and conversion rate means how many people like go on your website and then how many people actually buy your product. And let's say a conversion rate of like 2% is pretty good. So you'd say if I want to have a thousand people buy and you need a 2% conversion rate, you would need 50,000 people to have gone on your website and out of 50,000 people, if 2% of them buy conversion rate of 2%, then that's a thousand people. Right. So it's just like an eyeballs game. Like how many eyeballs get to your website or how many eyeballs are in your email list? Email conversions are usually higher, let's say like 10%. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a thousand people that you want to be your paying customers, then how many, you know, do we need? You almost work backwards. Mm. And so it's kind of like that funnel system again. You have 50 people on your website, but only 20 or 10 will actually buy the product. Yeah. And and that's really high. Like if 50 people are on your website and 20 buy, that's almost like a 50% conversion rate. But usually it's like 2%. Yeah. Yeah. And so what did hitting 1,000 customers for GTI mean? That happened not in our first year, not in our second year, but by our third year. Mm -hmm. And so it was the start of 2022 Mm -hmm. when we had our very first product which was our masterclass and that came out in October 2021 
and we had about 500 people sign up. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic. And I knew that I wanted to do better and to get from that like first round of people to the second round, it was what can we do to improve our system? So every part of our product I like combed through because you do it once, you think you're great at it, mm-hmm. but there's always room for improvement and you never realize what you can improve with your product or your service in that moment. Yeah. But it's like three months later or two months later, you can like look at it and go, I've got a fresh pair of eyes. I've got a little bit more knowledge and oh, that was like a really bad font or I really hated that the way we sent that email or we could have made X, Y, Z easier. And so that's one thing I did. The second thing was taking feedback from everyone that took the masterclass Mm -hmm. for us. So for your first customers, even if it's two customers that you've only started off with or in our case 500, get feedback from them. And so we asked them questions like, what did you enjoy? What did you hate? What could we do better? Like what stars do you rate us out of 10? Would you recommend us to your friends and family? Was this worth your time and money? And so we'd ask all those questions and people would be honest and be like, I loved the masterclass, but there were a few typos and it made it seem less genuine Mm -hmm. or like less credible. And it was like, okay, now for the next product, now I know what to improve. Get someone to do copyright like checking or like spell checking or someone would say, you would do quizzes, but there'd only be like three quizzes per video. Could we have more quiz questions? So it's like little things that you can improve on is going to help you get to the first thousand faster. The first step is getting a couple of people and then just like relentlessly asking them on feedback so Mm -hmm. that one, you get reviews, but two, you've got something even better the next time you launch. Mm. And so that's also, again, where the community aspect comes in, where everyone's like, hey, I really enjoyed this product. This is amazing. This Mm. is what it is. And getting that like feedback testimonials from other people as a consumer of a product, I trust that way more than the person who is selling the product to me. If so many people and even people that I know and trust, like highly recommend it, then I'm like, oh yeah, for sure. I do that time and time again. And I think that's primarily how I shop as well. I think it's human nature. Like we're we're going to assume that the product or service that we're going to buy of course that company is going to tell us it's great. Like, of course they're going to show us all the best features of it. So we don't take that or we take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we see people that are like at our level, like a buyer recommend it. Like when I go to Sephora or Mecca and I want to buy mascara, I don't look at what the companies say about the mascara. Mm. I just go to like the bestsellers wall and I'm like, this is a bestseller for a reason. Yeah. Or like if a friend recommends me a mascara, like the last one I ever bought was the Roller Lash and it was because a friend recommended it to me and I was like, I love it. And then you tried it and then you bought it. Yeah. Like it's just, that's how we buy things. Exactly. And so first step is to, you know, you have your product and then go out and ask for feedback and then improve based on that feedback And then what? The second thing that I would recommend is collate all your feedback and reviews and ask people for reviews, especially if from the feedback, if they really enjoyed it, you'd be like, are you okay with me taking some of this feedback that you've said and putting it on our website and like sharing the Mm -hmm. five-star reviews? You can also use like Trustpilot. So we have Trustpilot where you, after someone does, like buys your product or your service, you ask them to fill out a Trustpilot survey. And it's awesome because everyone knows that Trustpilot is 
honest or that's mm. where people go like when you are unsure if a company is dodgy or not you like search them up on Trustpilot mm. and so if someone searches up girls invest on Trustpilot they can get like honest reviews and most of the reviews are great someone did mention the like spelling errors but that's honest you know what I yeah. mean like at least people know that it's a good product the older version was a little bit you know, had a few spelling errors, but it's not a scam or it's mm. not fake or it's not a lie. It was something that people found valuable. And then just those little nitty gritty things, which I think is normal when you released your first ever product or, you know, thing. A hundred percent. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone. And the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. The third thing that really helps is, and it's kind of on relation to what we've said, it's getting people to recommend your product or service to their friends and family. And that can be done in a few ways. Social media is probably one of the easiest ways to get the word out there. So if you have a product or service and you encourage people to take a photo of it or a screenshot of it and put it up on their story, like let's say we didn't do this, but if we wanted more customers, let's say we were struggling a little bit, we would maybe say something along the lines of, hey, this week's cohort, like if you've enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy this module, take a screenshot, put it on your story and tag us. Mm. And it means that all their friends and family will be like, hey, Maya, I saw you like part of this investing masterclass. Like, what is that about? And if you genuinely enjoy it, you'll be like, hey, it's this, like, here's the link. They open up classes every couple of months. Mm. And so that's another way to bring in more customers because you're using your current customers as your ambassadors, as the people that are going to spread the word. And we call those people super fans. So you've got your everyday fans, your everyday community, and a man called Pat Flynn, who is like a fantastic online business creator, owner, entrepreneur. Like I actually really love his work. He came up with this term super fans, which is basically that your business will only do well if you have a small group of people that like spread the word everywhere. And you need to take care of those people. Yes. And those people actually started off as my friends. (laughs) People like yourself and people like Pfizer, who is a doctor friend of mine, who I know that during like surgeries, when they'd be in like the surgery room, if another doctor was talking about money, she used to be like, well, my flatmate started this podcast called Girls That Invest and you should check it out. Yeah. And just that's how these things spread. 100%. And also there is like the mascara example because I trust what you're saying and I know you and I'm like, this was impactful for you 
it will be impactful for me. Maya looked at my lashes and then she looked at my lashes with the mascara and she was like, I need to buy that. No word of a lie. It got into my bangs. Like my, when my hair would kind of go over here, my eyelashes would go into my bangs. That's how long your lashes lashes they were. Yeah. We suffer from the same problem. We have like long straight eyelashes. Oh, what a hard problem to have. Yeah. Only God knows what we go through. Honestly. Gorgeous, gorgeous girls. (laughs) hard life but but yeah so those are the main tips that I have do you have any questions off that or anything you've like ever wondered around growing your first thousand customers so I didn't know that first thousand customers was kind of like a goal to aspire to for business mm-hmm. is it something that we should like it's a good goal to keep in mind it is and it isn't. Oh, I hate when I say this. I'll be honest, when I started Girls at Invest and the other businesses that I had, I never looked at the first thousand as like a big goal. Mm-hmm. But I think that was because it was just for me. Like I had validation in my idea and I knew my idea was going to work. I had a lot of faith in it. But the idea behind the first thousand is it just validates your idea. And right. so for other people, when you say, okay, we have sold our product to a thousand people, that kind of indicates that you've got the right product to market fit. And product to market fit is this idea that the product that you have fits the market. Okay, finally some lingo that like fits. (laughs) Finally some lingo that makes sense. (laughs) And so if you can say, hey, yeah, like a thousand people, like if you were an app company, a thousand people downloaded our app, like your first thousand matters especially to other people so if people are like unsure about funding your business or you're looking for like investors to be like hey i've got my first thousand customers and it only took us a month to get our first thousand or a week to get our first thousand that's a really good metric oh okay so it's a bit of a substantial enough number to use as a metric to leverage with businesses to leverage with other people to be like hey these thousand people really enjoyed it like Because when you think of a thousand people, that's like a lot. Yeah. It's not just your friends and family. Yeah. I think a hundred, I'm like, okay, yeah. And then maybe like 500, I'll be like, oh, okay. And then a thousand, you're like, oh, wow. Like when it's a hundred or 10, it's like, okay, a few people really liked your product, but there might only be a hundred people in the world that would buy what you're offering. But when it's a thousand, it's like, well, that's such a diverse number of people surely there's different kinds of people in that group surely and therefore it can reach even more Mm, like if you were like hey i'm selling something and it's really really specific and niche it's like hair bands for people that have really thick hair but like really oily hair but really short hair like it's like how many people would buy that and if you can get a hundred, it's like, okay, but maybe there were only a hundred people in the world that needed it. Yeah. If you get a thousand, it's like, wait, is this a problem? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So it is a substantial enough number to be like, that's legit. Like if I came up to you, Maya, and I was like, I have a podcast and 10 people listen to it. You'd be like, that's so cool. Yeah. And if I was like, I have a podcast and in the first month, a thousand people listen to it. You'd be like, damn. My hopes. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Like all I imagine, I remember seeing a saying, it's like when 30 or 50 people buy your product, you might think that that's not that much, but when they're actually in a room, you're like, oh, that's a lot of people. And so now I refer to a hundred people is a lot of people in one room, but in comparison to a thousand, like 
actually in my high school, so I went, I'm a small town girly and my high school, I don't even believe had a thousand people. I think we were sitting on seven, 800. Whoa, damn. <laughs> okay. That puts it into perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. <laughs> That's not bad at all. Another example is like the amount of people that have listened to the Girls That Invest podcast, it's like 4 million. And we're like, oh yeah, that's cool. And then we're like, that's almost the population of New Zealand. That's humongous for lack of a better word. <laughs> but you just, yeah, numbers like yeah. mean less. Until you can contextualize it to something because 4 million, you're like, whoa. I always imagine like 40,000 people as a stadium. That's like my my way of like measuring like yeah. if it's like oh 40,000 people saw your tiktok you're like oh only 40 <laughs> wow do you know what i mean yeah that really puts things into perspective some thanks especially now in this age of virality a little bit of, of a tangent but 40,000 people is a stadium folks i think we live in a time where we think that oh only 100 people or only a thousand people that engage with my content or have found me really helpful is not a lot. I'm like a failure. Like I should just delete my Instagram account and my TikTok. But yeah, 40,000 people seeing you, you're basically Harry Styles. Stop. I would have preferred the Beyonce reference, but I'll stick with Harry. He has some pretty cool fashion choices. So. In my defense, Beyonce just doesn't do enough concerts for me to use her oh, as a reference. Stop. She's not even coming to New Zealand anyway. Is she coming? She's not. Is she coming to Australia? No. <gasps> well, that makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely would have went. Well, I hope this episode has been helpful. I find that when it comes to finding your first thousand customers, it can seem really daunting. You're like, how do I find them? Where do I start? Obviously, as you've picked up in this episode, it's been a lot easier for us because we've not begun with no followers. So it's Mm. not like we've been working with cold leads or people that are like, wait, what is this account? We've often only come up with products when we've had a large amount of followers to begin with and mm-hmm. that's why I always believe in having a community even if your community is a hundred people that's still one person that's going to sign up mm. and that's a lot better than starting something and having zero people know about who you are exactly it's a start we've all got to start somewhere I mean at one point every business that I had every social media account that we created for our brands had 50 people And we still make posts and it is embarrassing because you'll have like 11 people like it and you'll be like, three of these are related to me. It's One of them's Maya, one of them's Sonia, (laughs) one of them's like a friend from high school. I do remember you in the early stages of GTI, like we're all liking and sharing everything and you're like, I've only got like a little bit, well not a little bit of followers, but I can definitely see you're like, let me just keep pumping them out. Let me, let me do what I got to do. Yeah. And you did it. And here you are, Forbes 30 under 30, in your wonderful office. Wow. Thank you. That's very, very kind. I hope that this episode has been helpful. And I guess I'll see you next week. Yes. Till next time, Maya. Kakite. Bye. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence.